This is the podcast of Christian Life Center, an Assemblies of God Church in Springfield, Massachusetts. For more information, visit our website at clc413.com. Please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Exodus, chapter 4. Exodus chapter 4. Father, I ask for your wisdom this morning to be able to clearly communicate your heart to your people. I pray that as we leave this place a little later on, that we would leave with a fresh understanding of your heart for us and the particular details of things that you'd want us to do and how we should focus our lives so that we can bring you joy. I ask your richest blessing upon the ministry of your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Continuing on with a journey toward deliverance. And in Exodus chapter 4, verse 18 we pick up the story where we last left off in dealing with the children of Israel who had found themselves now to be slaves in Egypt. Moses, he had grown up in Egypt and then when he was 40 years old, ended up going out to the desert. God did a work in him and for the next 40 years, he ended up marrying his his wife in the desert there, and he hadn't been back to Egypt for a long time. So verse 18 picks up and says, Moses went back home to Jethro, his father-in-law. Please let me return to my relatives in Egypt, Moses said. I don't even know if they're still alive. Go in peace, Jethro replied. Before Moses left Midian, the Lord said to him, Return to Egypt, for all those who wanted to kill you have died. (coughs) Now remember that God had revealed himself to Moses at the burning bush. And when God revealed himself to Moses, he gave him a very specific assignment. So now Moses is on assignment from the Lord. He goes back to his father-in-law and he says, I'd like to go uh, to see my family. Jethro gives him his blessing. He says, go in peace. And God confirms. He says, everybody who wanted to kill you has died. So you won't have any opposition. So Moses, verse 20 took his wife and his sons and put them on a donkey and headed back to the land of Egypt. And in his hand, he carried the staff of God. And the Lord told Moses, when you arrive back in Egypt, go to Pharaoh and perform all the miracles I have empowered you to do. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will refuse to let the people go. Then you will tell him, this is what the Lord says. Israel is my firstborn son. 
I commanded you, let my son go so he can worship me. But since you have refused, I will now kill your firstborn son. Now, in the plagues, of e- in the plagues that affected Egypt, uh, the killing of the firstborn son, who remembers what plague that was on the one to ten? Ten, right? God had already determined what he was going to do from the get-go. Notice what God told Moses right from the beginning. Because Pharaoh would not let my people leave, and my people are my firstborn son, and so I am going to deal with the firstborn sons of those in Egypt. But God is so gracious that he wants to give opportunity for repentance. So God did not jump to plague number 10 right off the bat, did he? He gave opportunity after opportunity. But finally, after God took all of those opportunities to communicate mercy and grace and redemption, God eventually had to follow through on plague number 10. I have no doubt that God did not desire to take the lives of those children, the firstborn children, the way that he did. But because of the rebellion and because of their disobedience, they continued to provoke the Lord. You see, in our lives, God is patient with us. But there comes a time when God says, unless you make a change I have already predetermined the penalty. I have already predetermined the consequences for your disobedience. As parents, it's very important that we understand how God handles us so that we can learn how to handle our children. It's often been said that children don't come with a user manual. And the truth is, is that oftentimes... And not only is it the children that you're learning to be able to parent, but sometimes, especially uh, when a couple gets married and they're young and then they have kids right away, they're learning just to be husband and wife. And then on top of that, they're learning how to be a parent. And so sometimes it all happens seemingly all at once. But as we look to God, he gives us wisdom beyond our years of experience. I have learned that I can trust the Lord. If I am willing to look to him, he can show me things I have not walked down the journey of experience yet. Because all of us are going to be novices at some point. We all start as a freshman somewhere. And then you continue learning and growing. God has always desired that no one perish. That's his heart. That's his heart for you, for your family. That's his heart for this lost world. In fact, there is not one person on this planet that Jesus did not die for. Not one. You can think of the worst person in history. Jesus died 
for them too. But the problem was, is they did not willingly accept what Jesus had done for them. It was free. It was available, but completely rejected. And so God looked down and he saw Pharaoh's heart. He knew that Pharaoh was a man who was not soft-hearted toward the things of God. And so he would refuse to let God's people go. Verse 24. On the way to Egypt, this is in obedience to the Lord, at a place where Moses and his family had stopped for the night, the Lord confronted him and was about to kill him. What an interesting thing. Moses, who took off his sandals at the bush, God said, you're standing on holy ground. God said, I've commissioned you to go rescue my people. God said, even though you think you stutter and can't do it, I will help you do it. God had told him, I am going to do supernatural miracles through you. You may remember we talked about the signs, the leprosy in the hand, uh, the staff that would be thrown down and turned into a serpent. Those are things that God said that he was going to do to demonstrate his glory and his power. So now Moses is on his way to do the work and the will of God. Stop somewhere for the night. And God confronts him. But it doesn't stop there. My Bible says, and was about to kill him. So I want to talk to you a little bit about that this morning. How did we get here from there? But Moses' wife, By the way, Jethro, his father-in-law, Jethro was the priest of Midian. This was not a servant of the Most High God. His wife's father was a priest in a temple that worshipped a false god. So Zipporah, who was that priest's daughter, now somehow, and this, this, we're not given a whole lot of detail here, but we know enough to learn some lessons from it. His wife Zipporah steps in and has an answer for the situation, even though she did not grow up in a home where she was taught what was expected of her as an Israelite would have been. And so it goes on, and it says, Zipporah took a flint knife and circumcised her son. She touched his feet with the foreskin and said, Now you are a bridegroom of blood to me. And when she said, A bridegroom of blood, 
she was referring to the circumcision. Now, apparently, what Zipporah did was a good thing because immediately after that, it says, and after that, the Lord left him alone. It's a very curious circumstance. Now, why would God confront Moses? And why would he be about to kill Moses? And why would, why would Zipporah then immediately have her son circumcised and that withhold the hand of God's action. Well, I want to turn to the book of Genesis chapter 17. In verse 9. Everything God does, he does through covenant. And in the book of Genesis, we see that God called Abraham. His name was changed from Abram to Abraham. And God made a covenant with Abraham. And in verse 9 of chapter 17, God said to Abraham, Your responsibility is to obey the terms of the covenant. You and all your descendants have this continual responsibility. This is the covenant that you and your descendants must keep. Each male among you must be circumcised. You must cut off the flesh of the foreskin as a sign of the covenant between me and you. From generation to generation, every male child must be circumcised on the eighth day after his birth. This applies not only to members of your family, but also to the servants born in your household and the foreign-born servants whom you have purchased. All must be circumcised. Your bodies will bear the mark of my everlasting covenant, and any male who fails to be circumcised will be cut off from the covenant family for breaking the covenant. Now, now we're connecting some dots. God was very clear in his expectation. He said not only for Abraham, but for all of his descendants. And this part of the covenant was serious to God. Now, keep in mind, this was the old covenant, but it was a covenant. And in this covenant, if they did not honor it, these, this was the consequence any male who fails to be circumcised will be cut off from the covenant family for breaking the covenant. Now notice that the child was to be circumcised on the eighth day. At eight days old, how much do you suppose the child has in making the decision for his own circumcision? Nothing. So the responsibility falls to the parents. The responsibility of doing what the covenant required fell to the parents. 
the parents were to fulfill what God expected of them, and apparently Moses had failed to do that. Now, think about it for a moment. And again, we're not given all the details, so we're going to think about the, 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 the whole setting. Do you suppose that Moses intentionally wanted to disobey God? Do you think that he did not circumcise his child out of rebellion against God? From all of the conversation and interaction that I see leading up to this, Moses was somewhat reluctant in being obedient, but at least he was willing. So as far as I can tell, Moses was willing. And he was trying to do his best to honor God. Along the way to do God's will, God confronts him and almost kills him. And his wife steps in. Perhaps she had heard about the covenant requirement. Well, how else would she have known? She was out there in the desert with her father, who was not an Israelite. Who would have been the one to tell her about it? It would have had to have been Moses. So Moses was aware of the requirement. Moses had to have told his wife about the requirement. And as soon as she observed God about to kill Moses, and I don't know how that looked, but she went and got her first aid kit. And she said, we're taking care of this right now. I think there are some things that we can safely assume here. Moses was aware of the covenant requirement. Moses had not fulfilled the covenant requirement. And because he did not fulfill that covenant requirement, even though he was going to do God's work, he was walking essentially in the will of God because it was God's will to set his people free. And yet God is about to take out the person that he has just sent to set his people free. My friends, this is a very important point that you need to remember. Sin is a big deal to God. Sin is a very big deal to God. When someone is involved in serving God and living in disobedience, God doesn't gloss over it to say, well... I understand he's doing something wrong, but let's look at all the good he's doing. After all, this guy's about to go set two million people free. I mean, can't we just gloss over the whole covenant expectation? But not with God. He says, yeah, that's my plan, and I've called you to do it. But as much as we've had this relationship, you've seen me, you've encountered me, I've revealed my name to you, that I am who I am. 
in spite of all that, if you don't get it together, you're done. <laughs> 